You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we still record even on our second favorite holiday. At least it's my second favorite holiday. Who am I? I'm your host, Justin M. Wisniewski, the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show, including my pick for the Super Bowl. Because, of course, when I say second favorite holiday, I'm referring to Super Bowl Sunday. That's a, that's a holiday in my mind. That's as American as it gets. And my pick is the Bengals. I do not forget history. If you remember, an upstart team going against a high-powered Rams offense in the Super Bowl? Oh, that sounds familiar. It sounds familiar to 20 years ago. Appropriate that Tom Brady has retired and Joe Burrow, who plays similarly to Tom Brady, and a team that's been looked past like the 0-1 Patriots, is against that Rams team in the Super Bowl. So history tends to repeat. Let's not forget the lessons we've learned. Although I will say, the Rams do have a much better defense than they had in the past and in that Super Bowl. So it'll be an interesting game. I really think it could go either way. I think it's hard to predict, but of course I'm going to back a team like the Bengals. Let's see what my co-host thinks. Joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Uh, you know, I got to go local this this year. I got to I gotta hope that uh, LA can pull it off because... Uh, you know, people are restless here. I don't want any burning anything. So uh, I want a, I want a nice LA victory, no pressure, uh, and then everyone can just leave in an orderly fashion. Because oh my god, the beach was full this week. Uh, we went uh, yesterday, and it's been like seventy-eight degrees during the day and like fifty at night. So the water is freaking cold. But there are a lot of people out. It was great. It was it was uh, it was almost like it was summertime. But you know. As soon as the sun went down, boom, everyone left. It was getting cold. But, uh, and there's, uh, tons of planes flying around. Oh, now the dogs are barking. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely busy. The, there's excitement in the air here, but that's all old news to you guys because by the time this comes out, we're all, we'll already know who's right, whether it's Dustin or me. Yeah. And also, you've given me another reason to not cheer for LA, besides the fact that it's LA and I don't like to see them win anything. How awesome would it be if the Rams lost and at home LA at got home. burned to the ground? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm far enough away. I I can kind of I I think I'm probably ten, no, definitely less than ten, probably eight miles away from the stadium. So if uh, anything yeah, goes down, yeah, but that's like down, three I'll hours in California. See. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh man, I went to uh, Thursday. I went to see Machine Gun uh, Kelly and Halsey, and. Oh, wow. uh, uh, it's part of the Super Bowl build-up. You know, they had different concerts and different events, and it was at the yeah. uh, Don't Call It the Staples Center. Um, Crypto.com Arena, I guess it's called now. Yeah. And uh, now, you know parking. You've, you've parked down there, I'm sure, before, Justin. It's like there's a couple places that you can park, and they're usually like 20 bucks for an event. This is Thursday before the Super Bowl. They had already jacked it up. It was $80. And, like, we, we, we found a different place that was... $30, so still more than usual, uh, way up by the uh, restaurants. And uh, on our walk back, we were talking to the to the parking attendant. He's like, yeah, they're jacking it up every day until Sunday. And he's like, he's like, I don't know how much it's going to be, but he's like, it's going to be more than $300 on Sunday. And this is, at, this is at Staples Center, right? This is not even close to the Super Bowl just because of all the events that are going on downtown. So pretty crazy. Yeah, and I bet you they'll probably show the game inside the Staples Center or something. I bet that yeah. happens. Yeah. Man, I'm so glad I'm not there anymore. That's nuts. But hopefully you all have enjoyed the game from the uh, relaxing confines of your own home, right? You don't feel obligated to go to those annoying Super Bowl parties where there's always that one woman or girl who doesn't know what's going on with football the sports and ball just fans. wants you to re rewind and watch the commercials over and over again. Yeah. And that's a million different annoying questions, right, Will? Yeah. What's a touchdown? <laughs> God, 
Uh, yeah, so we're, we're, I watched at home, or will be watching at home. I'm sure you will be too. So. Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, just uh, me and the noisy dogs. I don't know why they're so active uh, during... I guess it's because we're an hour later into recording. Um, Maybe. But, yeah. My cat's going nuts right now, too. She won't <laughs> leave me alone. She's trying to get my lap and everything, so... But, uh, yeah, I'm planning on watching it here. Uh, it's funny. Everyone's kind of out of town. Uh, my business partner obviously moved, and his wife's been staying here uh, uh, while they're setting up. And uh, she went this weekend because it's Valentine's Day. So they're going they're, – they're up in there uh, putting together their new house, uh, unpacking and everything. Um, so, yeah, it's going uh, to be a relaxing and hopefully exciting game. I think we're going to see some good football. Hopefully. Theoretically, it should be the best football of the year. So we'll see. But before we do that, there's a lot more to talk about here. A lot has happened in this past week. Stuff that you're going to update me on, William. Let's do it in Life on the Midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash Locals. We appreciate any and all support, including affirmations. And I say that for this episode because we received an awesome comment. At least I thought it was awesome, William, in our yeah, Discord. Yeah, we received a great affirmation. Yeah. So I just wanted to to read what Midsider Beast Anio is that how you say that, William? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea how to say the name. So Beast I apologize Anio. for mis- we'll for that. mispronouncing the name, Beast Anio. Uh, in in Discord, uh, William. I also had a question for you. What does L O T M mean? Is that something I should know? I don't know. Yeah, he started out his comment with life L-O-T-M. on the midside. Yeah, it must be life on the midside. Oh, yeah. life on the midside. Wow, we it's, have our own acronym. Section. Now yeah. I feel dumb. That's a second acronym. Man. During show prep, I pointed out another that we'll get to later in the show. But I should know that one. I made you the should, name made Life on up. the Midside. Yeah. Man, oh man. <laughs> wow. I think I just got canceled. I think I just canceled myself. I, I, I sat for like, I was Googling. Do you understand? I was Googling. What does LOTM mean? And you know how they give you that list of acronyms? Oh, I'm like, none of those make sense. <laughs> well, it's, it's You're like picking something like, yeah, Urban Dictionary thing. <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. Urban Dictionary. And appropriate now, I'm, I'm reading this at the beginning of Life on the Midside. So it worked out. It worked All right. out. I've been in California my whole life in Los Angeles via San Diego and Santa Barbara the last five years. Throughout the lockdowns and mandates in both work and play, The quality of life has deteriorated from world class to third world. I'm going to pause here. Uh, I would argue that it was not first class or world class beforehand. I think California loved even before the pandemic to say it was. My favorite catchphrase, William, was when they were always like, oh, it's the fifth biggest economy in the world or whatever it was. Have you heard that catchphrase before? Yeah, yeah. As if just because the... Well, Exactly. The sheer amount of people having that, you know, much money, right? So because you have that much people, that's why the economy is so large, because there's that much circulation. Mm -hmm. That doesn't say anything about the quality of the economy. That's like you have more wrestlers on your team, but they all lose. You would say, I have have the sixth biggest wrestling team in the state. Anyway, I noticed how tyrannical my state has gotten, but I've never felt empowered to do anything about it. I told myself I was toughing it out or that I had a front row seat to the circus. But when my work offered an eight-month assignment in Florida, I accepted the offer without thought. Now that I have thought about it, I have Justin, William, and the Midside to thank, but first about me. I tutored the LSAT at local universities that have all but excluded third-party vendors from using campus facilities, which dried up jobs quickly. I took unemployment and a trickle of income through sporadic work to pay bills. I also play poker profitably as a serious hobby, but casinos have either closed or implemented ridiculous policies that ruined the earning potential and leisure of the game. 
For example, no casino can serve alcohol on the floor in Los Angeles anymore. I don't drink at the table, and the people that do drink aren't even the biggest losers in the game. However, the idea that someone might be drinking while playing poker attracts weaker players who overestimate their chances against drunk players. There are plenty of additional knock-on effects of the restrictions that make poker in L.A. only technically available. I miss teaching students and I miss playing good poker games without a mask on. Two years ago, I would never have dreamed of leaving California even for a year, but now I am so excited too. Justin is a pioneer and helped me escape. William is a soldier and helped me tough it out. The midside kept me sane. Thanks. Well, first of all, I just want to say, glad to have helped. Glad to have inspired you. Uh, But I also want to add on to that uh, a lot more. First of all, I would say that's originally why I created the Midside. I was living in California and I sort of needed an outlet. And this became my outlet. So I'm glad somebody else found that as well. But I think the story, even though there's a lot of specifics in it, and it's awesome to hear the specifics, I think that, and William, let me know what you think of this. I think that this story applies outwards. I think you could sub in any number of professions or activities and the story still holds. And and the thing I love the most about this is even if you are not actively trying to leave, putting yourself in the right mindset puts you in a place that when the right opportunity arises, you can grasp it and go with it. And what I mean by that is he's talking about he didn't want to leave, but the eight-month assignment came up, and he jumped on it without thought. Because to me, that shows such well-integrated premises as well as well-integrated observations and understanding of reality that when something he may not have anticipated or even realized he wanted presented itself, he was able to take advantage of the opportunity and not squander it. Yeah. Thank you uh, for listening. And, you know, it's, it's great to get this uh, uh, kind of affirmation because, you know, I think, you know, Justin, we've talked about it uh, both on the show and off the show, you know, people, a lot of people feel stuck in California. And I think the pandemic has really sort of opened people's eyes to a lot of things. And I think time does that too. The longer time you spend uh in uh in la you just uh are unable to not notice a bunch of things uh to use a double negative for emphasis um it you know it's beautiful here uh the beach is nice uh the the weather is unique right it's always it's always nice right very rarely uh do we have bad weather and those things are enough for a while but then you notice all the other things, the things wrong with the culture, the things wrong with the government, the, uh, the things, uh, the interpersonal hostility, right? You start to notice these yes. things and, and you're like, especially for those of us who did not grow up here, it's, we know there's a different way to do it, right? Like there, you, it doesn't have to be this way. And, right. uh, you know, I, and I'm, I'm very sympathetic to, to, uh, those of you who, who, uh, make, take the plunge and, and, and leave, um, I'll, you know, the, William, before you continue, I'd like to also add to a couple things. Uh, sure. You said that the good things about the area, right? The Southern California area. I would say that, yeah, generally our people do care more about how they look. So you generally are surrounded by people where the average person is better looking than the average person elsewhere. And that, that can be enough for a while. And also, you know, we talk about media on this show and movies and pop culture. That's more of a language in Southern California than it is in other places in the country. Yeah. Other yeah. places in the country, you make references. Like when I was growing up in Massachusetts or here in Florida and people look at you like you're crazy or they think you're weird, but you're in LA you're in Southern California and everyone speaks that language and that there can be some comfort in that. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, um, I also appreciate the, the soldiering comment because uh, that's kind of how, you know, how I survive here, how I thrive here is, by making my own culture, it was the same in Baltimore. I did not like the culture in Baltimore. I mean, DC. I mean, Baltimore. Daniel could, yeah, Daniel could tell you about the about the BW Parkway and all that, that whole corridor, right? But uh, I did not like the culture there. But I did the same thing I do here, which is I make my own culture, right? I gather my own group of friends and I cultivate good relationships and 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 you know host my own sort of things, make my own community, right? 
And uh, and you've got to do that anywhere you are. But like, man, was Baltimore just a test for living out here? Because, uh, you know, keeping that, uh, keeping people, uh, attract, uh, finding the right people to build those kinds of friendships with is much more challenging in California than it's been anywhere else I've lived. And the midside yeah. is one great place for, for all, you know, to build some of those relationships. And I've met a lot of great midsiders. So. Yes. And speaking of that, anyone who wants to meet Bistanio, he's in Miami, he said. And if any midsider wants to look him up when he's in Miami, he would love to meet you. So, and that's, those are his words. He said, I'll be in Miami if any midsiders happen to be around and want to get some Cuban sandwiches. Hit me up. So anyone who's interested, you can join the Discord and hit him up if you're in Miami. I'll get to Miami at some point. It's really tough with wrestling season and everything. Maybe this summer. We'll see. But actually, William, things aren't all bad in California right now. There are signs that the pandemic is ending. And the two major things... The one we declared uh, ended in 2020? Yes, the one we declared is over before it started. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but but the, the one in people's heads, moves are being made to make those people or help those people or force them to get used to the fact that the pandemic is over. Yeah. Uh, something that I thought was major is California is ending its mask mandate. And alongside that, the academy is not requiring proof of, of COVID-19 vaccine to go to the Oscars. These two moves, William, would be unfathomable to me if you asked me to guess or predict something. I would never think these things would happen. Yeah. I, I Well, I and mean, they still haven't happened in L.A. County and uh, Santa Clara, some others. Uh, so it's uh, the state mandate is gone, and that now it's there's still some county ones that are separate and will need to be fought. I don't know if we'll need to have uh, honking truckers, which we'll get to. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, with, despite that a bit of pessimism, I am also optimistic. I think things are, they're going to loosen up. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I went, uh, went to a dive bar around here just this week and nobody cares about the masks. I mean, the poor staff are the only ones having to wear masks. Right. Um, and that's so that's still here, by the way, that's the yeah, worst part. That's about the here. worst like, part, man. Like, you as soon feel as, bad. as yeah, I feel bad. Like the, I I mean, when I work in the store, it's uncomfortable. I can't imagine if you're doing it, you know, seven days a week. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're serving you food and they have masks on. I just like, fortunately, it's getting to the point here that people are not caring as much. So servers as much. It's more of a choice. But I still any employee that's no, required, I, I, I feel super I, I guarantee for. you, Justin, it's it's a corporate requirement. Even if they lifted the mandates tomorrow, I wouldn't I would still have to have my staff wear masks until. Oh, 100 you know, percent. Signed off. Right, but it's a corporate requirement only if other people in your branch report you. Yeah, yeah, I guess or that's true. Or if a customer reports you. <laughs> yep. That's my point. It's to the point in Florida now that even the employees and employers just aren't saying anything to each other anymore. Yeah. Well, what I wonder <clears throat> what all these companies are going to do once the mandates are lifted I and nobody has, you know, We'll see cases continue to do whatever they're going to do, right? Uh, are companies going to change their mind with a uh, with all the vaccine mandates? Like, I think that's the one that's that's going to be a lasting issue, right? It's it's about uh, liability. It's always been about liability, and you know, I'm interested to see how Disney and Universal respond because they have the indoor mask mandates, right? Like when you get on a ride, you have to wear a mask, which is awful for Universal with all their 3D rides because yeah. it fogs up the 3D glasses. So it'll be interesting to see if they drop the indoor mask mandate because that's that's all about liability. Yeah. Well, and and, and it's I I don't know. I guess it is, but it's I I have a uh listener a friend of mine, a listener of the show who will remain nameless. Uh will basically just will not share their vaccine status with their employer and uh for privacy reasons. Now, uh, because I'm not saying the identity of this person, I'll, I'll say they are vaccinated, but they don't want to share that, right? They're pushing against it, uh, pushing against the re requirement and they make him get tested every day before, before going into work. Like how long is that going to go on? Cause that costs the company, right? Yeah. 
that's that's what I'm saying. That's that's the liability. They've done the math, and some lawyer told them yeah. it's going to cost you less to to do the daily testing than it is. To- I think it's more about everyone else, though. It's a it's more about the other employees. I think. Well, it's that's more what I'm saying. That. Yeah, they don't want to be sued by them because exactly. they don't want to say, "Oh, this person caused the outbreak," or even them leaving. Right? Because you know. Uh, Jobs are very competitive right now. Uh, yeah, that's true, too. Employees. They could so, be afraid but, of losing employees. Yeah. yeah. So that would be uh, tough. Yeah. All right, let's move on. We talked about the pandemic. Let's also talk about cancel culture. And the latest person that cancel culture has gone after is Aquafina, the comedian-turned-actress, Right. She's been in movies such as Crazy Rich Accents, and she's from New York City, Queens in specific. Crazy Rich uh, Asians. You said Crazy Rich Accents, but that's okay. Did I? Yes. My mistake. I'm already I'm already a step ahead of myself. Sorry. You are. She's in Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, she's Queen from Queens. Uh, she's in the show Nora from Queens, which actually because her real name is Nora. Obviously, her name is not Aquafine in real life. She did some uh, joking rap. When she started parody rap, right? She was also in Ocean's 8. So, you know, she's been pretty successful right now. Now, I say she's from Queens because it's important context here. People have tried to cancel her because she has a quote-unquote black scent. And the idea is she's trying to use a black accent and, as this article says, elements of African-American language and mannerisms in her career. And she was forced to apologize for this. She apologized and said she'd do better about understanding, you know, the historical racism against black people in America. And then she got off of Twitter. She got off of Twitter. Now, there's a couple really interesting things to me here, William. First of all, we're starting to see people realize that you can't be on Twitter. Like, it's it's just, it's not worth it for two reasons. One... You're giving people the opportunity to find fodder to cancel you with. And two, that's where all the people who want to cancel people are. Really being canceled just means you can't be on. They'll just don't want you on social media anymore. Aquafina is not going to have a problem getting roles anymore. No one cares about this. It's only the people on social media. And then two, this is racist. And I don't mean it's racist against Aquafina, I mean, it's racist against black people. Because let me ask you this. Don't you have an accent based on the people you grow up around and where you grow up? Yeah. So does, she does the, grew up. Does the fact that uh, that I talk more like uh, Walter Williams mean that I'm also using a black accent? Well, that's where they say he's talking white, right? Ah, because okay. of the people All he's right. been around. It's what about when thing, I'm with right? my family and my southern accent comes out? Am I am right. I doing uh, uh, what is it? Black scent? Am I is that black scent? Because you know, I'm it, the longer I hang out with my family from South Carolina and Tennessee, the more southern I sound. So, well, right. And what about like I I speak from personal observation, and what I mean by that is the school I'm in has a mix of races. It has a mix of races. There aren't a lot of white people. There aren't a lot of Asians. It's a lot of Hispanics, a lot of black people. And they all talk a certain way. But they're all different races. But they all talk similarly. And as this article is talking about, we're talking about hip-hop culture and that's effect on the mainstream and things like that. Does that mean if one of these kids who's not black grows up and becomes famous, he's using a black scent to become famous? And we should hate him for it? Or is that just who he grew up? How he grew up? Why is everything, William, go back to race? Uh, Because it has to. That's what critical race theory says. Uh, Right. We can't define race, but it, it does everything lead to race. It's just so ridiculous to me because I don't think anyone looks at Aquafina and thinks, and she just, to me, like, here's the thing. She just sounds like someone from New York City to me. What about you? Yeah, yeah. She just sounds like somebody from New York City. Right, and maybe, I think, maybe it is racist against Asians. Because you expect Asians to sound a certain way. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're supposed to be like Margaret Cho or something, right? 
Right. More Californian, right? Because there's so many yeah. in California. Yeah. Yep. So if you played her voice and you didn't know what she looked like, most people would not expect her to be Asian. Correct? Yeah, probably. You'd, you'd think some sort of New York City, you would probably put, you know, possibly white, possibly black, possibly Hispanic. Like, it, it, it wouldn't pin it down, but you'd pin it down more by geography than, you know, race. Well, right. And same thing with the area I'm in in Florida. It's actually a lot of New York transplants, so it's not a surprise. A lot of Puerto Ricans, a lot of black people, right? Mm-hmm. So probably guess something like that. So you'd probably be surprised about that. But isn't that racist against Asian people? That Asian people can't talk like that? As if there are no Asians who grew up in New York City? Yeah, and it's weird that they're picking on, like, I know that we've talked about the oppression Olympics and where people fall, and um, as someone who, you know, several years ago was told they are now privileged. Um, it's weird to be picking on, quote-unquote, picking on the Asian and saying, you're acting black, right? That seems like, uh, I don't know, it's not as high on the totem pole as they usually punch, right? Like, uh, yeah, but we've seen for a while now going after Asians. Yeah, right? it's Saying a policing of the, the policing the minority that's doing well, right? Right. This is a hundred percent. Especially, look, she's literally doing well, right? Oh yeah, yeah. This is the time to put her back in her place, right? You need you need to be you know, remember you're down with the cause, right? Or else. Yeah. But good to see her. You know. On one hand, not get in line by getting off Twitter, but all the language, if you go read her response, all the language, it's just, it's not even real. It's not a real conversation. Okay, moving on to perhaps what people will find the most interesting this week is something that I need a little more education on. So this is what I know. I know that in Ontario, near Michigan... There are truckers protesting by blocking the Ambassador Bridge. And I believe that they're protesting all of the COVID regulations in Canada because we know Canada's gone insane about it. Now, on the other hand, people are upset at the truckers because they're blocking a major throughway, which is part of the infrastructure, the logistical system. Right. So they're stopping people from being able to get goods that come across there. So people are saying this is illegal. Stop doing this. So, William, do I have a basic understanding of what's going on here? Yep. I like to call it the honkening. Basically, it's a protest involving uh, a lot of truckers and many, many blue collar workers have come in support. Um to end the restrictions. And it was more than just restrictions. It was also the vaccine mandates, right? They were, they were basically telling truckers that they had to be vaccinated, you know, cause all that, you know, long haul driving by yourself, by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the idea when you go to a truck stop, when you stop at Roy Rogers in Canada, you're going to spread it to the people at Roy Rogers. Is that the problem? Maybe, maybe that's what their concern is. I guess. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, it, and so it's been it's been crazy the media coverage. It's so hard to get to the truth in this because the media coverage they find they they do the normal thing, right? That we all expect now. They find the most insane person and interview them and then everyone calls them Nazis and uh of course they're uh By the way, uh, South Park right did wing. a great a great thing about that. I don't know if you saw the season premiere of South Park, but no, I haven't they did the whole media calling everyone Nazis thing. Where uh, the the kids were said they couldn't wear pajamas to pajama day, so uh, the local South Park news started calling it fascist and started calling them Nazis until that reporter started dressing up like a Nazi and speaking in German to prove his point that they were being Nazis. So I thought that was a great bit of uh, visual satire <laughs> by great. South Park. <laughs> That's great. I'll have to watch it. Watch it uh, during the commercials in the Super Bowl. Um. Yeah, so and it's it's so it's hard to get to the truth. I think Justin, but I think you've got the gist of it. And people are obviously upset, like you said. Uh I I was pulling a lot of quotes from Twitter this week. Uh um 
people being very upset. Uh, I, I had one that said, if these illegal blockades carry on, this is just the start. Politicians and parties of all stripes who claim to care about peace, order, and good government and care about protecting jobs need to be more vocal about this. The police need to end the blockades. And uh, I, I told uh, you and Daniel, I was like, it's like some people never even lived through the COVID lockdowns, right? Like, right, because weren't the COVID pro- lockdowns the biggest yeah. blockades of all? Yeah, like, does no one remember? Like, I, I, they are protesting something, and I'm all for, you know, you know, mostly peaceful protests, right? Um, and people should follow, you know, there's civil disobedience is a, a valid form of, uh, of protest um, and should be dealt with, of course, by, by the authorities uh, in an appropriate manner. All that being said, this protest is about ending the very things that they're saying the protest is causing. And, and that's just a little bit too on the nose for me. It's a little bit clown yeah. world. It's, it, it, it's crazy because the, the argument seems to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, that because they're stopping this route and stopping the transportation on this route, they're causing harm. Right yes. now, yep. the argument would have to be that that's equivalent to the harm caused when like, the target got burnt down in Minnesota. It was Minnesota where it got burnt down, right? Yeah, or my window being smashed during the protests. Right? right. So it had to be equivalent to that harm. But what I don't understand is, I understand it's a major route, right? But first thing I did was look at a map, right? And there's right. another bridge between the U.S. and Canada called the Blue Water Bridge, which is just north of that bridge. And then I also used my knowledge of the world. And I know there's a bridge between Canada and Buffalo called the Peace Bridge. And also having been to to Niagara Falls, there's a bridge between the U.S. and Canada called Rainbow Bridge. And those are just the basic ones that I looked at very quickly. There's a bunch of bridges, right? Yeah. So it's not like this is the only place. Michigan. Yep. Uh, Yep. And you hit the one on 69. That's Santa Lac and Port Huron. And then Detroit Ambassador. There's also the the tunnel under the um, Detroit River between between Detroit and uh, Ontario. So. Right. So there's a whole Windsor bunch tunnel, of it's called Windsor Tunnel. There we go. Because Windsor, Ontario is where this is happening. Correct. Yes. Right. So there's a whole bunch of bridges. So it's not like they're shutting down every possible route. Just go a different fucking route. Now, that said, I'm not defending them and I'm not defending them with what I just said, with yeah. what I'm about to say. But. Every protest in history has been about breaking the rules that are illegitimate. Now, the rules they're breaking here aren't exactly in line with what they have a problem with. Really, they should just all be driving around without vaccines. Sort of, because they're, yeah. Well, but they're also gathering in more than people. They're breaking curfew that was set up specifically. So, yeah, it's muddy, right? Muddy at best, right? Right. It's it's a very muddy protest. Their tactics don't exactly get their message across. Like, what what are you what are you doing? So in order to prove your point, you're stopping the supply chain. Maybe rethink what you're doing here. That said, decrying them by saying they're breaking the law is missing the point of protests. No, no, they call them terrorists. I've seen people call them terrorists. But that's the point. And again, again, clown world. We saw we saw the mostly peaceful protests in Minnesota, right? Like we cannot compare those two, or I cannot compare those two, right? And and. And uh, and come come up with they're both terrorists, right, right. And and let's let's look at history. Isn't history any protest been about breaking the law and breaking the rules? I mean, this is called the objectivist hate Rosa Parks edition, right? Because a yeah. lot of objectivists are speaking out against this protest because it's breaking the law, right? It's quote unquote breaking the law. Wasn't Rosa Parks breaking the law by sitting in the front of the bus? Yeah, absolutely. So she was wrong for that? Now, the difference here is obviously she's not, like, she's not doing anything that defeats her own point. And again, as we were saying, the tactics here for the the trucker protest is muddy at best. Yeah, it's it's disorganized. It's disorganized. It's kind of grassrootsy. You know, it was a lot. I mean, obviously, there were people who planned things, but like it, it. no one planned for it to go this viral, right? 
Well, right. And that's what happens nowadays is one person does something and everyone else is like, oh, I kind of like that. I'm going to do it, too. So it's more of a sign of the times. It's almost easier to protest nowadays. And I think that's what happened with the riots at the time, too. Right after the George Floyd stuff. It was just like, oh, cool. We can all go riot. That's what we're doing now. We're rioting. And it's almost it's like people who aren't as motivated to do the actual thing are just doing it because they can. And or it's a lot easier. If you lower yeah. the barrier of entry, it, it, it takes less effort. It take it's low effort. More people are going to do it, even if it's not what they want or they don't care all that much. Yeah, the best part is, and uh, I'll I sh- I think I posted it in, uh, on Discord. If not, I will repost it after the show. Uh, there's people who have maps of like of Toronto, and they describe it as territory held by the government and rebel forces in central Ottawa. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's like they're trying to push this into as some sort of like right wing version of uh, of uh, the Chaz or of uh, Occupy Wall Street. Right. And it's not not that at all. Yeah, uh, at least not yet. I mean, it could be at some point, but like uh, it seems. And the last thing I want to say, I know we're going on and on. Our, our one Canadian listener is probably going crazy because uh, I'm sure we're going to get some facts wrong looking at it from the we outside. We actually have a bunch of Canadian listeners. Yeah, so. I know. We we're always joke. Pop- we uh, chart Canadian, well. Yeah, we're, we chart well in Canada. I'm just joking. Yeah. We always joke about having one Canadian listener. Um, but I, I was going to no, say the coverage. One. Yeah, we did lose that one. Um, <laughs> the coverage by the mainstream media, I have to say one more time, because they... Uh, the politicians are also the other thing. Yeah. Listening to the patronizing way the prime minister and the, I guess it's a governor uh, uh, or whatever the state level. I've failed my uh, Canadian uh, um, government civics. Um, just the patronizing way that they say, okay, you've made your point go away now. They've literally were saying that. And it's like that. If they made their point, you would have. Okay, Rosa Parks, you made your par- point. Yeah, Go you made your point. Get, yeah, get back to the. Yeah, get back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to be clear. It's just so patronizing, man. I'm not. I'm not advocating, and I'm not. Equi- I'm not making these people equivalent to Rosa Parks. I want to be clear about that. But you had to think about it principally, right? From a principled standpoint, if you said these things to every protester, how would it sound? Okay, million man march on Washington. You made your point. You made go your back point. to your go back to your segregated <laughs> drinking fountains. All right, the the women's uh, rights protest. You've made your point. Take off your pussy hats and go back to the kitchen. <laughs> exactly, a hundred percent. That's what I was thinking. All right, women, you made your point. Get back in the kitchen. Like, like that's a South Park joke. You know what I mean? It is. How do it these is. people do this? So, look, as always, we see the midside. And I think Daniel said it best in our text thread, right? He said, as always, per midside rules, every side is a little bit wrong. And I think people forget that nowadays, especially since the pandemic, where people want to decry everything and people want to be in groups of us and them. It's not that simple. They are making a good point. They are protesting for a great reason. Their methods suck. Their methods could be better. But also, they're truckers. What power do they have except to set up a blockade of a supply chain route? Is that not what truckers would do if they would protest? Yeah, I think that's the other thing, too, is um, just to kind of go a little deeper. This is a obviously blue collar workers. I think Bill Barr kind of made this point on his show. Um, blue collar workers do not feel represented by the left anymore. Right. Yeah. Not for the last 10 years, for sure. Right. And. You see that in voting, you know, people, you know, Republicans getting a lot more blue collar voting or voters, but they don't, it also is that they don't have a voice. No one listens to their concerns or talks about their concerns at the political level, right? Do you think a trucker cares about intersectional politics or trans issues or, um, you know, misogyny, right? Like, even if you think those issues are important that's not the issues that are going to let your average you know person who drives a truck for a living they're not going to feel listened or, or heard right they're not going to feel like they're being represented and so i think this is kind of a larger wake-up call 
Um, I mean, it's it's why we ha- got Trump in the first place, right? A larger wake up call yeah. that you're leaving people, you're, you're excluding so many people, right? And you're only appealing to <laughs> the people getting honked at in the city of Toronto or Windsor. Um, you're only you're you're only talking to appealing to those kinds of voters, and this is what happens: They're, the people are going right. to make sure that they get hurt. Right, and that you just said it perfectly. This is what happens. This yeah. is what happens is you're 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 reaping what you sowed at this point. All right, I think that's a good place to end this segment. Let's go forward and talk about some art in the hopeful romantic with JML. Put me into syndication, broadcast to a network station of people viewing their favorite episodes. I can't find a new pitch to throw the studio. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord. You've already heard some great commentary from a midsider from Discord, midsider Beast Anio. Appreciate that. I don't know if I said that right. I probably said that wrong. Whatever. I'm terrible with names. You can join our Discord by going to midside.com or midside.com slash podcast. Click on any episode link, and then there is a join link inside those episode posts. We are recording the day before Valentine's Day. You are probably listening to this on Valentine's Day, so or right after it. So, appropriately, I'm going to review a romantic comedy. Oh, man. My wife is a big J-Lo fan, so she wanted to see Marry Me, the new romantic comedy starring Jennifer Lopez, a.k.a. J-Lo, and Owen Wilson. So I said, okay, I'll go see that. That doesn't look that bad. And you know what? It wasn't that bad. I would describe it as a cross between the TV reality series Married at First Sight and the Lonely Island movie Pop Star Keep On Keeping On. If you remember, that was that movie was making fun of the whole celebrity music industry that we currently have. And that's sort of what this movie was about too. This movie was J-Lo's character, Kat Valdez, which whoever named that character, that's an awesome character name, was going to marry another pop star, another Puerto Rican pop star. And uh, in uh, the, the movie, he's Puerto Rican. In real life, the actor playing him and the pop star playing him is Colombian. But she's going to marry him. They released a new single called Marry Me. And they're going to have a giant concert, which is on a Super Bowl level of popularity to, to get married. Right, That's when they're going to do for their wedding. But while she's about to go on stage, the news breaks and goes viral that he cheated on her with her assistant. So what she does is she decides to try something that hasn't worked before. And of course, everyone in the crowd has marry me signs, right? Because that's the the name of the song, she picks out Owen Wilson's character and she says, you know what? Yes, I will marry you. And the rest of the movie is a traditional romantic comedy. And I would even say there are elements of pretty woman in this where they learn from each other and he teaches her things. You know, he challenges her to go a while without having help, without going on social media. She has him get social media to learn the value of social media. He is a middle school, I believe math teacher and she helps his mathletes become better competitors by using music and some of the relaxation techniques she uses. So it's the traditional where they learn from each other. And even though they look like they're not going to work, they end up working in the end. So it's that sort of traditional romantic comedy plot line just done a little bit differently and updated for the modern era. And that's, that's what I liked about that. The way this was sort of shot and executed, it, it, it did that well. It, it it accomplished what it was trying to accomplish. It, it looked nice. The acting was good. Uh, I laughed a lot. I mean, I will say that Sarah Silverman is in this, and I even laughed at her. Oh, so that's, man. That's, that's high praise. That's a high compliment, right? That's what I said. During the movie, I leaned over to my wife. I go, you know, if I'm laughing at Silver Silver, Sarah Silverman, this is a funny movie. Yeah. Like, they, they did well with this movie. Yeah. Um, I, I have a hard time now with any coaching scenario. So he's coaching his math team and like, I just, 
that gets me no matter what's going on. Like the last two episodes of the most recent season of Cobra Kai destroyed me because as a coach, like when someone gets it even halfway right, it's really hard not to just lose it. So yeah, there's elements of realness there, especially because his daughter is on his team and everything. So it, there's a lot of well done stuff in this movie. I will say there's one thing I don't like, and it's this need to turn these movies into a female empowerment movie. Now, as we saw with the, I don't remember the name of it, but I remember when I reviewed the trailer at the end of, or the movie at the end of last season about the woman who gets catfished and then it's a Netflix movie. And then she goes and meets the guy and realizes she's been catfished, but she falls in love with him anyway. Yeah. Well, the end of that movie was her going to him and getting her back. Remember, the traditional romantic comedy is the guy goes to the woman and confesses his love and gets her back. That's a a traditional romantic comedy for two reasons. One, that's what women want. And what I mean by that is they want a man to be assertive and say they want her. Now, do they want it in that style? No, that's the other reason that's a traditional romantic comedy. Traditionally, romantic comedies are for women. They're not for men. So they have the men act in an unrealistic way to fulfill some sort of fantasy, right? They get two things. They get one, a man who acts like a man and asserts himself and says what he wants, but he is overly sensitive in a way they say they want, but they don't really want, right? And of course, I'm speaking in gender stereotypes and norms here. Well, this movie, Mary May, continued the tradition of flipping it, where at the end of the movie, she has to go from her concert and leave it to go to the math le- the math competition in Peoria, Illinois. And she has to go there and confess her love to Owen Wilson's character, to Charlie. So it has that reversal there. And I don't know, like, it's not poorly done, but I it just doesn't do anything for me, the reversal in that situation, right? Because especially earlier in the movie, the reason they f- split up was he said, I just don't fit in with your lifestyle. And that showed an insecurity on his part. So the way he overcomes his insecurity is by her telling him, oh, it's going to be all right. I love you. I want to be with you. That doesn't really solve his character journey. So even though there's a lot that's good here, I can't give this movie more than a bro because of the things people are doing with the gender norms. I mean, the other scene is they have a press conference and, you know, Owen Wilson rightly talks about the history of marriage and how, you know, marriage used to be an economic deal. It was a business transaction and the woman was traded for goods from the other family. Right. And he's right. So they were saying, Hey, maybe things can be done differently where you marry a stranger and see if it works out. Maybe we don't have to have this false version of love, you know, your one true love. But then Jennifer Lopez's character takes it a step further and talks about, You know, maybe it's time for women to just pick who they want. And then the guy decides that or the guy has to prove that he's worthy of staying. And that's the whole thing where I've always said where people don't want things to be equal anymore. They want to shift the power in the other direction. Because, William, isn't that a relationship? Both people decide who they want and then they need their partner to prove they deserve to stay. Isn't that men and women? Yeah. So I don't know why. One way. Right. I don't know why. I mean, I do know why, because they're pushing all this stuff. But it's it's tough to watch that in a movie. Because he should have been, yeah, and she picked me, but I still get to decide if I want to stay around her. And I want to put in the effort. But they didn't put it that way. He kind of just was more... He's not really masculine, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which is interesting, because the her boyfriend that cheated on her was more masculine, and he's shown as... You know, he's always got women around him and things like that. So. All right, let's move on. Trailer takedown. I always put the trailers in Discord on Saturday. So that way you can watch them before the episode airs, after the episode airs, or during listening to it. During listening to it, right? You can watch a trailer, we talk about it. Watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Dark Glasses is the latest horror movie from Italian director Dario Argento. Is it Giallo? I don't know if what the full name is. But this was given to us by a midsider, and 
he's super excited about this. So you can read all about it or, or talk to uh, Midsider um, Blitz Ace 97. And I should remember his real name. And so I feel like a jerk right now. But Cody, Cody is his name. I'm sorry, Midsider Cody. Um, he's really excited about this. So you can talk to him in Discord all about it. And I know you can find him on Twitter too. But for me, I don't get it. Like, there doesn't seem to be a lot. There's some gore in this trailer. It's very dark. There's a middle part. There's like 30 seconds where you see a woman wearing glasses and talking to people. And then there's an Asian family and a little Asian kid. And it seems like the trailer's starting to go somewhere. And then it just goes back into, I have no idea what's going on. And I'm not even saying that because it's in Italian. There's subtitles. I can follow what they're saying in the subtitles. None of this seems to fit together, though. It, it just, it's not interesting to me. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah, I found the, I, I wonder if it's just cut poorly, this trailer, or maybe they're trying not to give too much away. You know, a lot of suspense horror, uh, you know, the, the spoilers can really be a problem, right? Uh, for yes. a proper first enjoyment. So I, I'm, I'm, even with that generous amount of, uh, uh, of uh, consideration given, uh, I too, it was really, it was, it was not particularly visually interesting on its own. It it was just so dark and so saturated red. I had no idea what was going on. And I feel like the premise, at least what I was trying to maybe force into it was something about seeing or being blinded or having, you know, vision loss and dealing with that. And I think that's an interesting premise so, I, I, I just kind of sat on the fence, but like I just based on the trailer, I'm gonna have to tackle it. Tackle. Yeah, there was a scene where it seemed like somebody was being sprayed in the eyes with maybe acid to blind that that person. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's kind of an interesting direction, but it wasn't clear if that's what was going on in the trailer. Maybe that's the point. Ironically, we can't see what's going on in the trailer. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe we're missing something. Yeah. Second trailer. Nope is another horror movie. It's the third horror movie from Jordan Peele, who we know is a midside favorite here. Just kidding. We know we don't like him in the midside. And it's 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 for the reason of this trailer. This is like two different movies. It starts out and it's like we're the only black owned horse farm here in Hollywood. And then it's like there are aliens. And I have no idea how these two things connect. And I have no idea, William, why race is related to this movie. I have no idea what race <laughs> has to do with this movie. And it's it it just seems like race baiting at the beginning of this trailer. And I know there were attempts in Get Out and Us to make points about race. And maybe there's going to be some points about that as well. I mean, the most obvious direction would be with aliens. It's... We can't assume they're bad because they're different from us, which would be obviously a metaphor for racism, right? I hope it's not that simplistic, but I believe it might be. And then on top of that, one of my problems has always been with his with Jordan Peele's movies is the execution is just so uninteresting. I will say this. He is very good at mood, and he had a certain mood in this trailer that's undeniable. But beyond that... There is no depth to his content that would earn me caring about that mood. And having seen his first two movies, Get Out and Us, it makes me less likely to see something like this. And I'll even go stronger. If M. Night Shyamalan released a trailer like this, people would rip him to shreds. This is like on the level of the happening, the way this plays out in this trailer, and people are eating it up. Whereas M. Night Shyamalan does something like this, what happens? So for me, this is a hard tackle. Ugh, tackle. When I was watching the trailer, a couple thoughts uh, popped in my head. Uh, the first one was, and I finally, I looked up the movie because I couldn't remember the name of it. It reminded me of one of those Blair Witch knockoff movies, Skinwalker Ranch, from way back in 2013, uh, where... You know, there were aliens in the... It, it, it starts out, and I I'm, I was thinking, as soon as I saw the first part uh, where they you know, sort of hinted at the aliens, I was like, oh, is he remake, remaking Skinwalker Ranch? Maybe it's going in a different direction, but I don't know. I, it, 
it just looks like it's going to be kind of derivative and probably a muddy, uh, muddy plot uh, with uh, with a disconnected theme, which seems to be his pattern. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about that. So let's just tackle it. Tackle. Third trailer. Father Stew is a Mark Wahlberg movie. It's based on a true story about a guy who was a boxer, gets into a car accident, and because of his near-death experience becomes a catholic priest there's also a very good looking woman in here who's catholic who convinces him to become catholic which i'm sure influences his decision he also then ends up with a degenerative uh, muscular disease look this is an interesting story this is an interesting story there's no denying that there's no denying that this is a smart move to turn this into a movie however this looks naturalistic and I don't care about religion. Now, I'm not saying every movie about religion or supporting religion is bad or that I only have negative things to say about religion. I enjoy Signs very much. I think it's a great movie about religion. I think it makes great points about religion. Could this movie do that? Maybe. Doesn't look like it the way it's shot. By the way, that's two for two M. Night Shyamalan references here. Wow. Two in a row, right? I missed Whoever had that bingo one, but... card has been sleeping on it for like a whole season and now they're yeah. a complete bingo. Yeah. Uh, so look, as much as I like Mark Wahlberg, there's just not enough in this to entice me to see this. I'd rather see Mark Wahlberg in a movie like Uncharted than a movie like this. So good for him. I think this is a good decision on his part to make this movie. It might get some critical acclaim, right? Maybe this gets an Oscar or something. I don't know. Depends on what the Academy thinks of religion and it look it doesn't look like this is poorly made it just looks more naturalistic and i don't i don't care about him becoming a priest tackle tackle uh, i think the naturalism uh is probably why i had this reaction i was bored this movie looks so boring tackle tackle final trailer jurassic world dominion is the third movie in the third and final movie in the second Jurassic Park slash world trilogy. I have seen the first Jurassic World movie. I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it. Once you get past the humans are destroying the world part of Jurassic World, it was it was an enjoyable movie. It was traditional Jurassic Park type movie. This movie makes me want to see the second one so I can see this one. Uh, it's a reuniting of the original cast plus the new cast. And it's what we've always waited for. I don't know about you, William, but I was always waiting in the original trilogy for dinosaurs to break into the rest of the world. Yeah. That finally happens. And it's like, can humans and dinosaurs coexist? As we've been waiting for this for, what, 20 years at this point? It's finally happening. Um, they did do in the original trilogy, I think there was the dinosaur that got loose in the city or something, but it was just the one T-Rex. Yeah, This seems like the premise we've been waiting for with the Jurassic Park franchise from the beginning. So it's going to be big budget. It might be more McDonald's than anything, but I'm going to see the second Jurassic World. And you know what? I'm going to see this movie. Hug. Hug. Yeah, the dinosaurs are just looking better and better. Uh, they're getting better with the animations. Uh, a lot of callback shots in the trailer. Maybe they're pulling on that nostalgia. Hopefully that's not going to be too much uh, uh, nostalgia bait. I guess when you're bringing back all the old cast, you got to do it. Right? Get, get some fan service in there. Um, it's funny. I haven't seen the second movie in the modern trilogy either. I'd almost rather watch the original Jurassic Park and then go in with this one. Right? Almost follow the character journey of uh, of the others. You know, I did see the first Jurassic World. Um, so at least I have that context. Um, yeah, looks like, uh, looks like it could be fun. A good, fun summer movie. So, I say let's go see it. Hug. Mmm. Hug. That brings us to the end of this trip into the midside. What did we learn, William? I learned, uh, two, uh, initialisms today. One was, uh, was, uh, L-O-T-M. Uh, life on the midside and the other was uh nope which uh, uh not of this uh or uh what did i say it was oh I, i've already forgot it um that's okay because that's what i learned too 
<laughs> not of planet Earth. I was yeah, waiting for somebody to Earth. say yeah. nope in the trailer or something. And I also wanted to say, you know, that's the easiest tackle ever. It's in the name of the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's in the it's in the name. That's true. And I was what wondering why time? it was named Nope, because obviously Get Out was a line in the movie. Us yeah. was about us versus them, right? So there was a lot of uh, importance to those movies, to the names of them. And then Nope, not of planet Earth. I'm That's sure there's going to be... Gonna be is, right? more, it's got to be a double entendre too, though. Right? It's got to be not of planet Earth, but it'll also be Nope or something. Because yeah. this has to have something to do with race, especially with the way the trailer opened. <laughs> Uh, dude, uh, you know I'm not crazy. I know, but I'm laughing because it should be. But then when it's not, it would also make sense because he he just doesn't he can't put together a plot. Yeah, he, he cannot thematically integrate either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, thank everyone for listening. We always appreciate it. As I say, if it wasn't for you, this would just be me talking into the corner of a closet like a crazy person. It still is that, but you're listening, so I feel less crazy. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by going to the midside.com slash store. You can go to midside.com slash Patreon, Patreons per episode, the midside.com slash locals. Locals is per month. That is how we keep the lights on. And of course, the best way to grow the show is to tell a friend. We appreciate any and all friends you tell. As we saw, the midside is changing people's lives. You too can put yourself in a better position if you listen to the midside. Just get yourself ready. Get yourself ready. Even if you're not ready to make a move now or you don't know there's a move to make, if you think rationally and healthily and you have principles, you will make the decisions when you need to. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emozneski reminding you, that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have a post-football day. This just reminds me that I have to cancel YouTube TV tomorrow after the Super Bowl. The only reason I have YouTube TV is to watch football. Oh, so you cancel it every year and then re-get it yeah. every year? Yeah. Just for sports. That's all I want. And it's fall, right? I wonder how many people do that and if they're allowed to make a policy where if you cancel within X number of months, you can't resubscribe. <laughs> Well, that would be losing, uh, laying, keeping money uh, on the table. That just go to Sling right. or one of the other ones.